Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 99, as always I'm joined by Jordan. Here it is, the moment you've been waiting for. And I've noticed for the 98 episodes we've done, I don't think I ever introduced myself. I'm Jared. I'll be your, your host for the evening. I've noticed that. I've just never thought of it, I guess. I always introduce you and Dom, but I never introduce myself. So everyone's should, just I, like, oh. should I start throwing it back to you? Like, greetings, and it's good to be here with you, Jared. Maybe. I don't know. It's just it's something I noticed <laughs> uh, immediately once I said I'm joined by Jordan. I was like, I never introduce myself. Something I should yeah. work on. Uh, always getting better. Uh, we be don't have Dom. Jared be better we don't have dom this week unfortunately um next week will be our pre-recorded episode 100 which will be awesome uh we take a look back at uh doing the podcast together and what we've learned from it and our favorite parts of doing it and our favorite memories and stuff like that so definitely tune into that um yeah but i guess we'll get into it we haven't talked about what we've been playing in a while it's been a lot of e3 uh centric uh talk about obviously the pre-predictions podcast as well as our post uh, E3 podcast that we did last week, talking about what we loved and what we didn't love. I guess we're just back now to the normal thing. Um, as it goes, we have a couple of news stories. Um, I wanted our topic for the show to be um, what makes a good press conference to us, but I think I want to save that for when Dom's back because I think I want all three of us to talk about that. So sure. um, we'll be doing that that's this week. But in terms of what we've been playing, so been playing PUBG as normal, um, getting into that. Um, the Senok, the jungle smaller map, um, that is like a direct response to when Fortnite came out. Um, it's already on PC, but it's going to be coming out this summer for PUBG, so I'm excited for that. They also teased the winter map, uh, the snow map uh, at E3, so definitely excited for those, but I've just been having a normal good time with it. Um, are some issues with the, the desert map that they recently uh, put into the game. Um, but I'm still having a good time with that game. Is it perfect? Not even close. Um, but I, do I have fun playing that game? Most certainly. Um, it's pretty much it for PUBG. State of Decay 2. We have some interesting news about State of Decay 2 later in the show. Um, been playing that a whole lot. Really loving it. Really fun. Once again, is it perfect? No. Has some bug issues. Not as bad as some other people have had. Um, I've, there's been some normal, like, zombie not, like, stuck next to an, like, a a building or something not moving um or stuff like that i haven't had like the car flying in the air or anything crazy like that just minor bugs nothing nothing too crazy though the re the recent acquisition of undead labs by microsoft though is like cool they're gonna have resources they're gonna have access to all that back end stuff now and they're just gonna have a bigger budget and more freedom and stuff like that so i really think the qa testing that they're going to be getting from microsoft from them being owned now by microsoft is going to be crucial because um, that's one thing I'll definitely say for Sea of Thieves is, though Sea of Thieves was content light, that was the big issue with that game when it came out, I found no issues with the servers, we had an easy time connecting, like everything ran smoothly, and in a persistent cool. online game like that, that's very important. Um, sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have the, you know, the Undead Labs guys have access to that stuff. State of Decay 2, a whole lot of fun, man. That game is so fun with friends. Um, nice. I love the procedural... Uh, nature of the um, the civilians you get in their different skill sets and natures and personalities and you kind of have to manage that and sometimes there's people that oh this guy is really good with firearms but they're just like a poison to your community and you're like well mm. does it is it worth it having somebody who will most certainly protect the community when I'm not there but at the cost of lowering morale so you kind of have to weigh those decisions um, really fun though having a blast with that 
uh, and played some more Hollow Knight. I'm a little past where I was when the PC version, when I was playing the PC version. Remember I told you I was about, I'd say maybe four to five hours in on the PC before I decided to push pause and wait for the Switch version. Been playing yeah. that a whole lot, loving it. Um, I forgot that the first boss in the game was the False Knight, and I remember loving that so much that it's just this physically imposing uh, enemy that happens to just be this weird slug creature. Um, right. Real quick before I go on, I'm assuming you've already beat him, right? Because he's like the first boss in the game. Uh, actually, I haven't. Um, I, I'll i get into it with, for what I've been playing. But Yeah, okay. Uh, so I don't want to ruin that for you. I was going to add something onto it, but I'll say this, uh, Jordan. When you fight him and you defeat him, wait around near his armor and weapons and stuff, and something interesting. you'll see something interesting. I just want to leave it Good. at that. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah. Because uh, you can miss it. It's something that if you just keep moving on, it's just like a little hidden thing of like, oh, if you stay around, you'll see something, which is really right. cool. Um, having a blast with that. That game is so good. Like the character, I forgot some of the characters you meet in it. Um, the stag beetle fast travel system. There's a new thing that they added in uh, in this game because obviously since it's released, they've had multiple updates and DLC and stuff. And yeah. one of the things that they added that wasn't in the original version when I played it when it released way back in 2017 during the, the first half of that year um, is are the pins. So in there's yep. a, a shop that you can buy stuff from. There's the pins that are in the shop, and they mark stuff for you when you come across them in the world. That wasn't in the original version. Um, and it's, it's something that I think is useful for people who want it because it's something you purchase with your, um, with your coins. I forgot what they're called in the game. Um, but I love that they're optional. So for somebody that like doesn't want everything marked out for them, you don't have to like muddy your map with it. But if you're somebody who's like, I want to know where everything is, just give me that option. It's easy to farm up those hundred coins that it takes and get those on your map. And they're all individual too. So like if you only want the um, the, the benches uh, marked on the map, though, you can get that. I yeah. love that yeah. you can pick and choose which ones you specifically want. Um, soundtrack, incredible as always. Just playing through that, having a blast. Um, I'm not going to be getting Mario Tennis Aces. Not that I don't think it's a bad game or anything. It's just with as big of a fall there is, and I'm going to be purchasing a PS4, I'm being a responsible adult and doing proper budgeting and stuff like that. So I'm not going to be getting Mario Tennis Aces. Uh, I have to make some hard cuts in terms of what I'm going to be buying considering I'm going to be purchasing a PS4, which I want to mention something real quick about that too that I'm kind of salty about, Jordan, uh, in terms of buying a PS4. Um, but I want to I want to leave off with saying that I can't wait to play Crash Insane Trilogy because that's coming out in the next week or so on Xbox, so I'll finally be able to play that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm getting it on Xbox over Switch just because of the achievements and stuff. Um, that's really gotcha. the only reason. And then, obviously, Captain Spirit. Um, awesome Adventures Captain Spirit. Anyways, PS4. We all know by now I'm buying a PS4 before Spider-Man comes out, right? I've already stated that. It's a fact. Yeah. It's happening. Just like what I said with Switch, I got a Switch before Mario came out. It was my the game I needed to get it for. I know there's a ton of other games on PS4 that I need to play. Got it. Anyways, I really hate that the PS4 is still like kind of expensive. For it having 80 million units out there, it's... I obviously understand why. If your console is selling at the rate it is, there's no point to lower the price. I understand that. But, like, I can go out right now and get a $200 Xbox One S that actually plays 4K Blu-rays with, uh, bundled with something and... That's awesome, right? So if I'm a PlayStation person that wants to get an Xbox, because you've heard all of this recent stuff with Xbox and they had a really great E3, you can go out and spend 200 bucks and get that. Fantastic deal. 
Now, is that like a special, limited time, or just in general? That happens about four or five times a year. I'm not saying it's 100% all the time, but it happens frequently enough that, like, if you wait, like, a month, you'll have the $200 deal. Like, it comes up very, very often. Um, And obviously, that's probably the, I'm assuming it's a 500 gig one, whatever. I understand there's a lot of things there. The thing is, is that, so I've been looking at PS4s, obviously, and I've been thinking of, like, I'm fine with paying $250 to $300. That's not the point. I can spend that much money. It's not an issue. But it does suck that there's not, like, a whole lot of, like, really good deals that feel like deals for the PlayStation 4. Like, there's some stuff that's like, oh, you get an extra game, but nothing that really equates to, like, what's happening with the Xbox One S, for me personally, where it's like, I don't ever feel like there's a deal necessarily, and the only deals through research that I've done happen on Black Friday. Cool. That's two months after the game I want to buy my PS4 for happens. You know what I mean? I was expecting there to be a deal for E3. There wasn't. The only thing that happened was the uh, blue and gold uh, PS4 for $300, which is cool. Fine. It just... It it sucks that there's not... There seems doesn't seem to be a whole lot of, like, good deals for a PS4. You know? And I understand yeah. it. Like I said, it's selling really well. Why would you cut prices? But... Once again, this just goes back to the... And it's not necessarily a consumer-friendly move by Xbox, because once again, they have less consoles. They want to push more units. That's why it's cheaper. But, like, it's just another thing for me of, like, I really wish PlayStation just made a, a, a move and be like, yo, these, like, PS4 Slims, we're trying to push the Pro. Let's put a package together. It just doesn't seem like they do that that often. So it kind of bothers yeah, me. That's, yeah, that's just not how Sony operates and it's doesn't make it any better but that's just that's just how they are you know yeah it's honest I hate playing games on PC but if Spider-Man in some world was available on PC I would just bite the bull and just buy it on PC instead of even buying a PS4 um like I said I can afford $250 to $300 it just it's one of those just pet peeves you know it just bothers me um for personal reasons um but that being said that's everything I played um, I haven't watched anything uh, of no anything new or, or anything like that. Um, as far as reading goes, uh, what were the things? I recently finished Tom King's Vision run, the twelve issue run, which is really good. Nice, um, fantastic. Uh, also read Mister Miracle number one by Tom King as well. Really good. Definitely intrigued me enough to want to get into that series. Um, and then just a couple of like stray issues here and there, like the. Black Panther number one that came out and uh, Avengers very good, 3. Very good, by the way. Yeah. Iron uh, Tony Stark Iron Man number one came out uh, yesterday, the day of recording yesterday. this. I have it downloaded, haven't read it yet. Um, but yeah, yeah, just some stragglers here and there. I'm uh, going to be going to see Incredibles 2 this weekend. Um, Holy! Saw it I haven't again. seen it yet. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. What have you been playing? Um, so, as I stated earlier, uh, I'll talk about Hollow Knight uh, for Switch, which I think was the, at least for me, the most exciting shadow drop of E3. Um, and by golly, I think we waited long enough for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, um, really enjoying that game so far. It's uh, It almost seems like one of my favorite kind of mechanics of it wasn't in the original version, the way you were talking about it just a minute ago, where it almost feels to me like a mechanic that you're trying to fill out your map and you're yeah. trying to uh, buy all those things from the shop that allow you to see. Because, um, you know, in most games, like, if they have a map and you discover a bench or uh, 
what are they called? The the little pools of water, um, the springs. The springs, yeah. It would just show up. It would just automatically show up on your map, and like, even if you discover them, they're not marked until you buy the markers for, like you said, whatever that uh, category is. Or you can even just buy. Uh, excuse me. There's a couple different color, uh, just like generic markers that you can buy, which for me I've used to mark the map of uh, bosses and mini bosses. Um, so I know um, if I'm just like farming stuff, I'm not going to want to go into their little room or whatever it is. Um, so that has actually been pretty enjoyable for me, oddly enough, um, with that not as being as much of a thing in the PC release. Um, just kind of building that map and um, exploring this underground, um, these caverns that you're going down into. Um, definitely love the vibe of the game, uh, the visual style, the um, truly Lovecraftian vibes that it's putting off and these uh, cosmic mysteries that you're slowly getting into. And uh, the atmospheric uh, sound design and music is also much appreciated. Um, the combat's cool. I like the way that that stuff works, the way the platforming works. Um, it's definitely, a, I think I mentioned that it is a bit more of a uh, challenging game, which I can also appreciate. Um, for the most part, I think, you know, it's challenging but not uh, annoying or upsetting. Um, although the mini bosses, not the. I've fought him, I haven't beat him. I don't know what happened. I feel like I was, like, you know, had him right there at the end. But anyways, I, I haven't finished the False Knight that you are talking about. Um, but I don't even think that he's hard as the mini-bosses that surround him, which are the ones that um, have, like, the giant stick in their hand that they slam on the ground. Oh, uh, yeah. So you have to basically time these guys perfectly, which is, like, as soon as their stick hits the ground, then you have to run towards them. They'll lift it back up. You hit them and then get book it out of there before they can slap that stick down again. Um, and that timing has been a little bit uh, trepidatious for me. I haven't quite gotten it down yet. So um, oddly enough, I think some of the mini bosses are harder than the regular ones. Uh, but enjoying it quite a bit nonetheless. And um, I think I will continue to do so. I'm sure I'll be playing this uh, quite a bit more. And I do think that it is... Uh, really spot on perfect for it being on the Switch. Um, so. It's longer than a lot of people think too. People think it's probably like a 12 to 15 hour experience. It's like a, if you just want to play through and like fight a majority of the bosses, it's like a 40 hour game. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm assuming that the map that you originally start with is not the, the end all be all, correct? Yeah, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like a cavernous system in, in that right. way of like, you unlock more and more and so like the map starts fleshing out um right kind of similar to ori in the blind forest i don't know if you played that at all um well which is uh in itself a metroidvania and i think yeah. that's what this is drawing from you know there's areas that you can't fuck with when you first get going and so you have to kind of build up um different mechanics to be able to get through and certain they don't explain too. everything to you like i don't know if you found one oh, of the no, caterpillars in the jars yet right yeah you're just yeah, supposed and- to like uh, you basically break the jar and then they go back to their little mound oh, things. Yeah, yeah and so when you go up, thing. when you go up to the top left in that first like uh, I don't know like hallway area thing, uh, 
they'll for each one you find he'll throw coins at you the main guy that's like standing up at the top of the mound right. and that's yeah, not explained yeah, yeah. but it's just like oh there's a bunch of empty holes one guy sticking out of it now I found one now there's another one sticking out of it oh these yeah. are like collectibles it's like it's, it's just easily communicated to you without over explaining or anything which is really cool exactly yeah so um, yeah definitely got some uh, positive feelings about Hollow Knight excited to dive in even further um so besides that, I really haven't played much. Um, I popped in Forza Horizon 3 uh, for just a bit because I did get an Xbox One S recently. And um, uh, bah, 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 that uh, Forza Horizon 3 was on sale for E3, which I figured it would be, seeing how big uh, Horizon 4, how much attention it was getting on the uh, Xbox stage. So uh, this... You know, of course, uh, I've talked a lot about, and honestly, as time goes on, um, Need for Speed Payback just gets worse and worse in my mind, <laughs> and is more and more upsetting, uh, just because how big of a fall it is from uh, the first two Ghost uh, Need for Speed made games, um, Ghost made Need for Speed games, I should say. So, um, huge disappointment there, and it's left such a bad taste in my mouth, even um, my beloved Burnout Paradise could not get out. I've played, you know, tons and tons of that game and um, done nearly everything in that game. And well, not nearly everything, but a big chunk. I've beaten it and uh, played uh, an extensive amount. And yet, I'm still in need of a solid arcade racer to cleanse my soul. And uh, so I uh, went with. Horizon 3, which I had been thinking about getting into the Horizon games for a while now, and it being 25 bucks was a pretty good spot for me. And um, as I expected, it is uh, not quite what I would have chosen if I had been making the game, because, of course, this is not exactly what I would consider an arcade racer, just the feel of it. It's not exactly um, on the level of Burnout or Need for Speed. Uh, simply because it, at its core, is still a Forza game, and so um, the mainline Forza games are, uh, you know, very much simulators. They're uh, racing simulators. They really aren't anywhere near the arcade uh, racer genre. So this, as opposed to being just a straight-up arcade racer like Need for Speed or Burnout, it is somewhere in the middle. It's an uh, arcade racer Sam. for Forza, <laughs> which is like yeah, not like, going all the way. Yeah, exactly. It's like somewhere in between on that spectrum, which is interesting and uh, good that we have that because you know it's always good to have uh, multiple different uh, choices when you're looking at game genres. Um, so it's not like I said exactly what I would have wanted, but it's certainly something that I can get into. Um, it's not so sim esque that um, I can't really fuck with it. So I'm definitely down to. To dig a little bit deeper there i've probably only played about an hour of it just to just just to see how it was um but certainly the uh australian setting is really cool and offers a lot of different um locales to be racing through so i'm enjoying that uh, real quick though uh minor caveat um one thing i like to do in these racing games is i will um, kind of get into the game get the vibe of what's going on, get a couple tutorials, and then once it's kind of set in place, then what I'll do is I will go into the settings and I will turn um, the music all the way off 
and I will turn um, the sound on the uh, sound effects, basically, like the engine noise and stuff like that. That will be turned down, but that's kind of the only thing that I leave uh, running. And then I play that uh, sound through my TV at a low volume, so I can still just kind of hear my car running and how that sounds. And then I'll just have Spotify going through my computer on my actual surround sound speakers. Um, and I just like driving around listening to my own music. And for whatever fucking reason, man, in the sound settings, the lowest that you can turn down any one sound option is to 1 out of 10 as opposed to 0 out of 10. Um, so no matter what, there's always going to be a little bit of music playing through the game's own soundtrack. Um, which is not a bad soundtrack, and it actually has a lot of diversity, but I'm just like, I've never seen that in a game. You know, if you want to turn one aspect of, uh, of the different sound implementations off then you can just turn it all the way down to completely off and i was like why is one the lowest setting here which is obviously i'm, I'm kind of making a mountain out of a molehill here um but it is odd nonetheless and um it it does uh lean into something that is a little more important to me which is what i was talking about with uh cd project red's cyberpunk 2077 which is if possible and i understand that it would be a much bigger undertaking for CDPR. Um, giving the gamer more options is always the way to go for me. So, you know, a more option in this case would be, you know, being able to turn the sound completely off. Like, what's it, it's not going to hurt the fucking game. You know, like, what does it matter if I have the music turned all the way off? Um, whereas uh, for Cyberpunk, I would like to have the option to play in third person, which, like I said, is obviously a much more difficult option to give in that game. Um, and I know, Jared, you and I specifically have talked before about uh, why are we not able to just map the controls for every single game that we jump into? Why? You know, that's, that is something that I think is really inexcusable on an industry level that hardly any games give you that option. Um, other examples would include not being able to turn subtitles off, um, or not having subtitles, and also I'm pretty passionate about having options for uh, gamers with disabilities that I think um, also on the whole as the industry, uh, looking at the industry, I think is pretty much abysmal at this point. It's getting, starting to get better, but um, I think it's pretty ridiculous how few games include options for disabled gamers, and even those that do um, the options seem pretty scarce in my opinion. So, um, that is, uh, kind of what that, uh, minor, uh, caveat in Forza leads me to is that bigger conversation about, uh, options for gamers that in my opinion, most of those that I mentioned besides the third person point of view in cyberpunk are, should be really easy to implement. I mean, fucking come on, Square Enix. Why can I not turn off subtitles in Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep? Like that's, beyond ridiculous you know especially when you uh re-released the re-release on ps4 and i still can't turn off fucking subtitles so shit like that just drives me up the fucking wall but uh i digress jared um uh other than that uh i'll just give a quick shout out to a show that was only six episodes on amazon if i'm correct it is called uh picnic at hanging rock stars Natalie Dormer that you might know from Game of Thrones, and it's based on a novel. It's about uh, this woman who runs a school, this British wo woman who runs a school, a uh, widow who runs a school in Australia, 
um, for young girls and they go on a picnic and some shit goes down and it turns into this mystery. Uh, the show itself has some really trippy, dreamy vibes, which you know I'm all about that weird shit. Um, and not necessarily horror vibes, but uh, some unsettling, maybe like thriller vibes. Or what I've uh, recently deemed um, chiller vibes, Jared. I think like, because um, you know there's a lot of movies that aren't necessarily horror movies, but they're not exactly thrillers either. So I've uh, started calling those chillers as opposed to thrillers. And uh, so it's a recommended show. I liked it a lot. Six episodes. Jump in. Nice. Um, is that all your shoutouts? That is it for now, yeah. Nice. Uh, so let's hop into the news here. Um, like you said, uh, it's we're past the week of E3, um, so we're not getting a whole lot of news, but I found some interesting sure. news stories either way for us to talk about. Um, so the first one. PlayStation 4 is finally getting its greatest hits line. If you've ever oh. played on a Sony console, you know about the greatest hits. Um, Perfect timing for you, huh? Yeah. Well, if I were to be able to buy a console for $200, I'd have five, 50 extra bucks to buy okay. three of these. Alrighty, <laughs> then. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Anyways, uh, if, if you've ever played a PlayStation console, you'll remember on the original PS1, it was a green label, a very bright green label. And then yeah, on a PS... I don't know if it was the same on PS2, but I know on PS3 yeah. it was obviously the red banner. Was yeah, it the red done, banner on PS2 as well? They've done red ever since PS2, and obviously I think the green on PS1 was quite ugly, but a lot of people don't even like the red that they've been using because, um, you know, these are only for... Actually, they are going to do it for digital banners as well for this, but um, usually these have only been banners that you see on the physical case, and so... If you are someone that has likes having the physical disc, a lot of people don't like the fact that um, on their shelf, you know, it doesn't match when you have on several games with yeah. black or blue spines, and then you, all of a sudden you have these random red ones. So, um, yeah, so they finally announced uh, that they're going to be doing it on PS4. Uh, Twenty bucks a pop. Um, there's a long list of games. The ones that I found most notable personally: uh, Uncharted 4, Doom, Bloodborne, yep. Ratchet yep. and Clank. Infamous Second Son, uh, Yakuza Zero. I think two also Yakuza, Yakuza games. Yakuza Kiwami, I think, was the other one. Yeah, shout out. Uh, a, a lot of other games on that list uh, that I didn't mention here, uh, including like Little Big Planet Three and a bunch of others. Uh, it was really cool. Like you said, it's good for somebody like me who's getting into the PS4 for the first time. Um, the I interesting thing is. A, a pretty quick shoe in for Bloodborne once you get going on the. Well, I already own Bloodborne and Ratchet and Clank via uh, nice. PSN Plus. Nice. Uh, or PlayStation Plus, so those are a no go. Uh, I've already, I've already played Doom on uh, Xbox. Obviously, uh, Yakuza doesn't interest me. Uh, I wouldn't want to jump into Uncharted Four. Uh, so if uh, the Uncharted Collection got a reduced pricing, then I'd probably do that and then get Uncharted Four. Um, yeah. Same thing with Infamous. Uh, if there's no, like so reduced you're not, rates, you're not cut up on the series, I guess. Exactly, so I don't feel... For those games specifically, I don't feel good like hopping in at that point. Um, now, Infamous Second Son is super standalone, so I would say get going on that, because it's one of my favorite games, and really has uh, almost no reference whatsoever to the previous games. Yeah, depending on how soon I get my PS4, it would be a nice uh, setup to play that leading into Spider-Man. Um, yep. and Tsushima. Yeah, exactly. Um... What was I going to say? Oh, so I guess it's pretty much it for the Greatest Hits line. I think there's a lot of good titles on there. 
Um, a lot of them that you would assume a lot of PS4 owners currently have, uh, but maybe there's some on the border there that people didn't or weren't super into. Um, but I do like it's not all first-party stuff. Like Doom being on the list is really cool. Uh, it's a very solid game. It's really cool. It's twenty bucks. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much it for that. We'll probably see other games well, added to that in the in the future. I assume. Real quick, I just would like to say, uh, if anything, this right here gets us closer to um, the obviously imminent PlayStation Five release. So I do think that's an important note to make. You know that. Yep. This has always been reserved for. Um, pushing towards the end of the generation with Sony, so interesting point. We're we're over the hill at this point. We were climbing oh. the hill for a long time, then we were standing mm. on the hill for a bit. Now we're over the yeah. hill. We're, we're walking down <laughs> yeah. the hill. Yeah, um, very interesting. It's just with all the stuff. Obviously, Bethesda announcing next gen games. Xbox announcing they're working on their next Xbox, and yep. this is a, a subtle hint at it as well. So, we are inching ever towards on the next generation. Yeah. Uh, insert Star Trek quote here. Uh, so the next news story here, via The Verge, Adi Robertson uh, wrote a story about Microsoft no longer interested in VR on Xbox. Um, basically, Microsoft's chief marketing officer of gaming, Mike Nichols, said that, uh, quote, We don't have any plans specific to Xbox consoles in virtual reality or mixed reality. Nichols goes on to say that the PC is probably the best platform for virtual and mixed reality, and that for the Xbox, our focus is primarily on experiences you would play on your TV. Uh which is, I mean, technically you play VR games on your TV as well. Technically. Uh, <laughs> but I think this makes sense. Um, though PSVR, PlayStation's seeing some success with it, VR hasn't exploded the way a lot of people anticipated it would, or hoped yeah. it would anyways. Um, it's still very much niche. And I think for Microsoft... Uh, here's the thing. With, with VR on Xbox, it would have had to be something where VR blew up to the point where it was very much in the casual marketplace... Because that didn't happen, Microsoft is still interested in VR and mixed reality, but I'm pretty sure they're spending their efforts researching how to put this into the business aspects uh, of their business because that's what Microsoft does. They create software for companies. Um, sure. So I'm pretty sure they're researching that end of that. And it's there's not enough value in it on a console. And also, for my personal opinion, I think this is good because as we've seen with E3, Phil Spencer and the team are focusing on Hey, we have a we have an exclusive games problem. That should be our focus. And I think if they came out on stage and we're talking about v Oculus VR now on Xbox, people are gonna be like, "Cool, but can we hear about the games you're supposed?" To? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think sure. not having it included is perfectly fine. I think this is a no-brainer. I think we should probably expected this when I want to say was it about a month ago, Jordan, when we got those news stories about PSVR like selling well, but the VR market in general wasn't selling very well. Right. I think it was yeah. about a month ago. That. That's an interesting point, uh, and I was thinking about that uh, when you were talking just a second ago, because obviously there's no doubt VR has not penetrated the general consumer market. However, it's really interesting to see, or I guess hear, how many people that are you know very like mainstream general consumers that I talk to just uh, day to day, how many of them are aware of what VR is and like understand it and like get the whole concept and get that it's a thing too, you know, like they get yeah. where it's at. So it's interesting to see that it hasn't uh, proliferated, but it's still uh, the awareness is there. So that's intriguing to me. 
Well, yeah, I think the knowledge is there. Just the price point isn't isn't mm-hmm. even close yet. I think that's yeah. the biggest hurdle, like you said. But Absolutely. the fact that the general consumer knows what it is is a good win in and of itself. And uh, honestly, Jared, I don't think it is the price point. I think the price point is is in a good spot. Like having a you could you know with PSVR you could have a a solid VR system for about six hundred bucks. You know, probably before tax, I guess. Yeah, the, it's not the price point to me. It's that there just isn't the the experiences aren't there yet. You know, like people I think would be more than willing to pay that much for a solid VR system if there were uh, truly a like a true breadth of uh, really enticing experiences. And I just have not seen that at all. Um, so I think that's where the the failure is. My so my argument is actually exactly with you. From my perspective, you're exactly right. So what I'm saying is, it's too expensive for the lack of stuff it has. Yes, you know what exactly. I mean. So if it was, if yeah. it was like two hundred dollars for what we currently have, I think that's an easier hit for people. Not right. that it's too expensive at the price point it is now. I think it's too expensive for what's being offered. Um, Absolutely. Because it's like if you spend if you spend three hundred bucks on a PS4. You're thinking, okay, I can get PSVR. There's a couple of games I can play it. If I buy the good PS4 title, PSVR titles, uh, I'll get maybe a couple of months use out of it, right? If I just go back to back and yeah. play them, well, why would I spend yeah. three hundred dollars on that when I can either buy a Switch or an Xbox right. or something else? So I, I agree with you there, hundred percent. That's what I was gonna say. Is especially from a gamer's perspective, um, there's already I think I don't think anyone that is that games on the level that we do. Um, would disagree with the statement that um, there's already too many amazing games to play to where you're yeah. already having a big cookie. And then yeah. you're like, well, you could spend extra money to get these mediocre experiences. You're like, fuck that, dude. I can't even decide what I want to play tonight because I got too much awesome shit going already. Exactly. On, and that's just including games. That's not movies and comic sure. books and all sure. this. Other, yeah. We're inundated with entertainment. No longer do we have the wooden blocks we have to play with. Now we're complaining that we have too much, uh, right. which is really funny. Um, but right. it is the truth. There's a lot of stuff. It's You have to be responsible with your time nowadays. So um, real quick, I, I know I'm doing this out of place, but since you just mentioned the uh, massive amount of awesome media that we have at our fingertips, um, I will totally forget if I wait till the end of the show here. Okay. Netflix just released its first comic book. Uh, the Magic Order issue one uh, just came out and is really great. It's by Mark Millar, who's a really well-known uh, comic book writer, and uh, he did the deal with Netflix, Millar World, right? Or whatever. Yeah, he just—that's yeah. what I was about to say—is he's just uh, jumped in all in with Netflix, and he has tons of properties that already are being, you know, adapted. Whether it be Wait, this Kingsman is like a legit comic book, or like Kick-Ass. just. A- like yep, a physical no, comic like, book release? It's not like some uh, motion comic or something. This is just... Oh, cool. I read it digitally just like any other comic I would, and uh, it's about, um, you know, kind of like a secret society of magicians uh, living in the modern world, and it's really cool. I understand that that's a pretty well-trod concept, but I think uh, this is well worth uh, the try, and um, um, just very interesting to me that Netflix is getting into... Um, they've dabbled, but this seems like their first time of them really going after other uh, entertainment mediums than you know movies or TV shows. So, Quick man, if you could, I mean, in the future, just like seeing from a future perspective of like subscription services, if yeah. like I could pay fifteen bucks a month 
uh, for Netflix and like a comicsology type service. Yeah, that'd be pretty dope. Like mixing the two together. Now, here's the weird thing. I'm not sure that you necessarily get this comic book by subscribing to Netflix. Oh, I don't think you sense. do. No, it's just an Which idea is in my weird. Head. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing. Like all other Netflix originals are accessible through your Netflix account. And so it's weird that they've started, you know, jumping into a different medium of entertainment. And it's like you don't get that as part of your subscription. I just now thought of that, and that's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I didn't even know that was a thing. Thank you. The I'm pretty sure a lot of people order. don't know this thing. The Magic Order by Mark Millar. Great stuff. Uh, it's only Is it like a, like a single-issue thing, or is it going to be an ongoing? Do you know? Uh, yeah, I think it's just a regular ongoing series. But right now, hmm. uh, they just had the first issue out, I guess, a uh, week before last, maybe. So, it's that time, of the, that time of the month. We're going to be talking about Maze NPDs. These are posted on Reset Era. Some interesting stuff. The list is actually really surprising, uh, I think, anyways. Uh, and then we're going to be... So, we're going to be talking about the NPDs for the, the top-selling games for the month of May specifically. And then we're going to be talking about year-to-date, the top-selling games for the year. Um, first, the thing I didn't include in this news story was that this was a record-breaking month... Uh, a, a record-breaking May in terms of hardware sales. Uh... PlayStation, Nintendo, and Xbox all saw record numbers for hardware in the month of May. Uh, they haven't wow. sold this well since 2011, which is huh. quite a wa- quite a ways uh, ways ago. Um, console gaming is dead. Console gaming is dead. Uh, so let's go with the top selling games. I'm going to go from 10 to 1. Um, what I want to mark here is any of the Nintendo exclusives don't count digital sales, and the Xbox exclusives don't count Game Pass downloads. Uh, those aren't included. So Which, at number ten, Nintendo should obviously be. Uh, they should obviously include their digital sales, and Xbox shouldn't include Game Pass. So it's kind of like, fucking come on, Nintendo. You know. Yeah, yeah. The Game Passing makes sense, but like the like right. why not include digital sales? Um, yeah. So at number ten, it would, make, it would literally make your games look better without any work whatsoever, <laughs> as far as like you know having to pay for extra marketing or anything all you got to do is release those numbers and your games just automatically look better so that's exactly uh at number 10 we have nba 2k18 it's uh, good to note that this game was on sale for e3 at least on the xbox one i'm assuming it was usually these these publisher sales happen at the same time on multiple platforms um so i'm assuming it was on sale on psn as well so nba 2k18 also we had the finals happening so that probably got a lot of people interested in playing nba i picked it up for 20 bucks (laughs) so i've been playing it as well uh, number nine, Mario Kart Eight. Um, as always, obviously kicking around. Everyone loves Mario Kart. Uh, yeah. Once again, not digital. Digital sales aren't included, so it would probably be higher on the list. Uh, number Jared, eight. If you had to uh, just pull a guess out of your ass, where would you say? Like, give me a month and year for the release of Mario Kart Nine. Mario Kart Nine. Uh. I would Spring. say September say, 2020. Ooh, I was going to say like March or April 2020. Yeah, I th- 2020 for sure. I'm just thinking maybe it's their fall game. Maybe Metroid's yeah. their fall game, and you're right. I have no idea. Either um, way, that's like three plus years since uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe's release. So I want I want, uh, I want, want it as a launch title on the Switch V2 or whatever, the Nintendo Switch sure. Slim. Um, sure. Number eight, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. This recently had a new update with new operators. It's always kicking in the top ten. Has a huge community, big uh, player them. fan base. Um, number seven, Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition. 
which is surprising for me uh, personally. I'm like, I didn't hear anything good about this game at all. Uh, once again, could be higher on the list if it included digital, maybe not as much. Number six, Grand Theft Auto Five, the game that just won't quit. Once yeah. again, it's in the top ten in MPD, just kicking around. I think uh, it's gotten to the point where GTA Five came out, sold like crazy, continue to sell, continue to sell. Then there was a, a period there where it's like, why is it still selling a lot? Then we got into the part where oh, people are excited for Red Dead Two. Let's go play Grand Theft Auto Five. So we're in that stage now. It's just incredible yeah. how like just is it gonna God? It's gonna be weird when like. You know, Red Dead will obviously be at the top for probably the first couple months, but then you know maybe month three or four <laughs> that GTA Red Five, out, it's gonna be lower <laughs> than GTA. You know, yeah, just because of the general nature of people liking GTA over like a Western um, for the yeah, re- the normal consumer. Appeal. Yep, uh, number five, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Hell yeah, Ooh, this yeah. game got shafted on the Wii U. It got a second life on the Switch, and people were like, "Thank you, I can play a great platformer." Um, still haven't heard from what Retro is doing since they finished this game on Wii U. Um, but it's good to see this in number five. Once again, for Nintendo, I have to state this could have been higher if they included digital sales. We don't Surprising know. Surprising that we didn't see, you know, if it's real, that we didn't see that uh, Star, Star Fox, Fox racing game. Yep. Um, which uh, is like, I don't, you know, I don't know about, you know, having two, like, essentially first party Nintendo. I guess Retro is not first party, but uh, two Nintendo owned IP. Um, cart essentially cart racing franchises or arcade racing franchises, you know, exclusive. Yeah. So that seems a little weird. Kind of like a almost like a Drive Club uh, Gran Turismo thing on PlayStation. Yeah, very weird. Uh, number four, Far Cry Five. Despite what people think about this game, it is still sounding like crazy. <laughs> Obviously, a lot of mixed opinions on this game. Um, my general gist of it, I haven't played it yet, but from what I've heard from you guys, there's some gameplay stuff that's good, but like. A lot of the story doesn't make sense. There's a lot of issues with it, but the general consumer doesn't care about that. It's Far Cry. You yeah, know? I think, so. yeah, if you enjoy uh, having a gay old time with a Far Cry game, blowing shit up and shooting shit, then you're going to have a good time with this one, you know. And that's Num- that's what I expected, and I was surprised that other people really fell for um, the thought that this would be, like, a you know incredible story game or whatever, so. Number three, I think, is hugely in part to the good reviews it got, which is Detroit Become Human. I think this yeah. game could have easily been a game where if it came out to, like, sixes or sevens, it, it could have probably fallen. I think it still would have fallen in the top ten just because of Sony's marketing. But yeah. I think the reason it sits at three is because of the solid reviews on the game. Um, yeah. And remember, there was a whole all that shakeup that happened before this game came out uh, yeah. with the studio and all that. So, um I guess the obviously there's still some mixed reactions there, counter suing and stuff. So I don't want to say who's exactly guilty, but um, it's good to see that the good reviews turned out to be good in sales. Uh, Quantic Dream seemed to make a really solid game, and it seems like it paid off. Um, sure. Number two, God of War 2018. Uh, once again, this game is receiving crazy good review scores. So it's like anybody who owns a PlayStation is going to be buying God of War. Uh, which is yeah. interesting because beforehand with the franchise, they were good games, but it's not necessarily the type of game that everyone would buy. But because right. of the reviews and the way this game was um, pitched, uh, I think it has a very good mass appeal, and we're seeing that, obviously, because the sales numbers are crazy. For right. me, the number one surprise on this list, State of Decay 2 at number one. Now, yeah. State of Decay 2, very solid game. I'm not surprised to see it in the top ten. I am surprised that this game is number one 
when it also came out in Game Pass. And this is a small conversation we came can have. Came out on Game Pass, and it's an exclusive for the lowest selling console. You know, well, I guess technically that would be Switch, but pace. Uh, I would know. say pace. Uh, yeah, I know what you're right. saying. Right? Yeah, like it, it doesn't have the velocity. Its velocity is very different than Xbox. So, um, I think you you obviously understand what I'm saying. This is yeah. just odd for a console that regardless hasn't sold that many units and it's an exclusive and it's also on game pass which is not included in these numbers so very interesting which is crazy because sea of thieves also landed number one on mpd when it released so yeah. uh people shows were, you that people are hungry for those exclusive over on xbox and also people were wondering is game pass going to affect this like are people just going to subscribe to game pass and then these games aren't going to see huge sales numbers people I were think... worried how that was going to affect it and there's actually an argument in place that game pass actually lends credence to these games selling more because say for instance me you and dom if i'm the only one yeah. with game pass and i buy state of decay 2 and i'm having a blast i'm like i want to play with you guys it's a great game maybe you two aren't into doing game pass because you don't like month-to-month services or whatever your right. hang up is you're right. like, I'm down to pay for a $30 game to have a blast with my friends, and you yeah. two buy it, and that's two sales they wouldn't have had otherwise, even though I had Game Pass, it still resulted sure. in multiple sales. Yeah, so. the upcoming games that I'm interested um, for on Xbox One, I still think I'm going to buy them and not get a Game Pass, because it comes down to owning it uh, for me, you know? Yeah. Um, just like, it's a weird thing on PlayStation, like, if you had a PlayStation Plus subscription, like, you know, you did with Bloodborne, right? So you had your PlayStation Plus subscription, you picked up Bloodborne 2 the month that it was free on PS Plus, and then you your PS Plus account lapsed. Well, you can't access Bloodborne t- unless you uh, resubscribe. Like, you can't just go out and purchase Bloodborne now. Like, it's unavailable in the store, if that makes sense. Really? Um, it's always been a weird thing. Yeah, like, you can't... What? <laughs> yeah, it's unavailable to you, to your account on the store... So the only way that you can uh, regain access to Bloodborne would be to sign back up for PlayStation Plus. And so that's kind of where I'm at with Game Pass. <laughs> it's so like, weird. Sure, I could get it for, and I'm sure that Xbox wouldn't do that to me the way PlayStation You actually get a discount. Bullshit. You get a discount on the right, game exactly. through Game Pass. So yeah. Yeah, it's like I, I would just rather own my games. Uh, and that is so not weird. that many games. You know, obviously I'm not playing third-party stuff on Xbox One, so it's like... Um, I'll just go ahead and buy whatever games I'm going to play there. But yeah, that's a it's a weird, uh, like I said, Sony being doing their belligerent bullshit type of thing. So that's a that's a funny because I was I was about to say yeah Xbox does the same thing where if you get an Xbox if you get a games with gold game and then your Xbox Gold goes out you have to get your gold again in order to play it. I was expecting you to say that not that you have to access yeah. PS Plus again in order to even buy the game. That is crazy. That's well, just something I've never. Game. Even if you resubscribe to PS Plus, yeah, you couldn't buy it even if you were back on PS Plus. Like, it's just, it's weird. That's so weird. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, Now, I guess we'll talk about, I'm just really impressed that that happened for Xbox, and I think it shows, like, they knew what they were doing. People were worried. Microsoft doesn't make dumb decisions. They didn't become one of the top three uh, most valuable companies in the world on making bad decisions. Um, Sure. So it's really cool to see that paying off. And I love that the top three games for me were exclusive. State of Decay 2, God of War, Detroit Become Human, and we even have other exclusives. We have Donkey Kong, Hyrule, and Mario Kart 8. So that's five exclusives in the top ten for a month. That's awesome. So let's look at this real quick, Jared. Uh, One, two, three, four, five, 
six, uh, seven. So there's only one game on this list. That's Rainbow Six Siege that you really can't play single player. Um, yep. And then besides that, the only other one is Grand Theft Auto Five that is um, kind of like primarily looked at as a multiplayer game at this point. Like if people are playing GTA Five at this point, it's probably for online, not for the single player. Yeah. Everything else is like primarily. I know you can play State of Decay Two online. I've played it almost entirely single player. I've yeah, almost I think played that's entirely how most player. people are actually playing it with it being survival horror, especially. Um, yeah, and so yeah, you've got State of Decay, God of War, Detroit, Far Cry, Donkey Kong, Hyrule Warriors, Mario Kart Eight, which that's I should say that is uh, also a big multiplayer game. But I love playing it single player, and NBA Two K eighteen. Obviously, it can go both ways, but I still think there's a solid amount of people playing that single player. So um, all of those games that I just mentioned are, um, especially like those first five are straight up single player games uh with the exception of state of decay being a little bit of both yeah so, that's really awesome <laughs> you know console gaming is dead as well are uh as well as <laughs> single player games so uh, yeah fuck me right uh the other thing i want to talk about real quick uh is year to date sales so these are the top selling games for the year uh, this is an interesting list too that we'll get through so starting off at number 10 PUBG. this do- this doesn't include pc sales which is the primary platform for PUBG. Yeah. So it shows it how it shows how many people bought it on Xbox. For it to be in the top 10 for the year, which is really is, really crazy. Is that on Game Pass? Uh no, PUBG is not on okay. Game Pass. Okay. Um so yeah, number 10 PUBG not including PC sales, which is insane. Uh number 9 Mario Kart 8, not surprising, obviously. Um number 8 MLB 18 the show, which is surprising for me because out of a lot of the sports games I know Major League Baseball is popular, but I never see it being as popular as uh, the NFL or the NBA. And I just sure. think it's a, it's a it's a sports game that's released like this year. Um, and it is exclusive. You know, one of the few sports games that are exclusive. Well, it's funny because that shows that. No offense to baseball fans, but I just think the Xbox understands that, like there's not a huge market there, so what's the point? Like they have the smaller RBI baseball title for Xbox, but I don't right. think there's enough of our enough ROI uh, on on baseball to really worry about it being exclusive. It's awesome for PlayStation gamers. Don't get me wrong, it's great, but it's not like that big of a deal. Um, number seven, NBA 2K18. Once again, sports, sports, sports. Uh, Number six, Grand Theft Auto Five. <laughs> so for the year of 2018, Grand Theft Auto Five is the sixth best-selling game. Crazy. Uh, this one's surprising to me, and I'm super stoked. Number five, Dragon yeah. Ball Fighters. Awesome. Yeah, baby. That's yeah, super baby. cool. Uh, it shows Dragon. what happens when you make a high-quality fighting game for one of the world's most beloved anime series. Yep. People buy it. Crazy how that yep. works. Uh, Number four, Call of Duty, of course. World War II, last year's Call of Duty. A lot of interesting stuff. I mean, I'm not going to doubt Call of Duty being the top-selling game again this year, but there's a lot going against it this year with not having a single player, which I know isn't a huge deal, but the recent news that you can't buy DLC separately on Call of Duty, you have to buy the season pass, which is crazy. Uh, it. I, I think it'll still be the top-selling game this year, but I don't think it'll be as in as far of a lead at the end of the year as normally it would be. Um, number three, Monster Hunter World. Uh, this is currently in my running for game of the year, personally. Uh, love this game so much. 
Uh, it's up there with Celeste for me. Also, um, super happy to see that it's doing so well, just like Dragon Ball Fighters and some of the uh, exclusive we were talking about earlier. Well, and I think Monster Hunter is a series that it was way too obtuse for a general audience in a bad way, in my yeah. opinion. And I think oh, yeah. making this a lot more uh, generalized and um, Western-friendly, if you want to call it that, definitely yeah. paid dividends. Um, there's The concept of going out and hunting monsters with your friends to get loot is just a good concept. Yeah. Don't yep. put as many barriers in the way to make that difficult, and that's what they did, and people fell in love with it. So, really cool. Well, and I actually think, you know, obviously this is kind of its introduction into the West and into the general audience, and I think it's actually still pretty obtuse. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe, you know, whatever the sequel is, essentially, um, if that has an even bigger splash because it's uh, hopefully less obtuse and it's already been introduced to the general population. And what, what we've seen with Generations and Double Cross, I think they're willing to have the very Japanese-centric, traditional Monster Hunter experience, as well as, hey, we have this Western audience we want to cater to as well, you know, and hit both yeah. of those at the same time with different uh, releases in the franchise. With, Number two... With you being a bit, such a big fan of World, do you think you'll end up playing uh, whatever Ultimate or whatever it's called uh, on Switch at some point? No, I'm a hard out. Uh, okay. It's it's the classic experience. Everything I've heard from uh, Casey DeFridis from IGN and other people is it's the, it's the monster, it's the classic Monster Hunter gameplay stuff where it's super obtuse and uh, all of that stuff. The game doesn't look graphically that good to me. So, right. like, not only am I getting a less, gra- like, less graphical fidelity in terms of gameplay, I'm getting a more obtuse quality of the game. Like, I just think that the best thing that can happen for me if I play that game is not good. Like, it'd be like, okay, this is okay. I'm just worried that it'll sour my experience with Monster Hunter sure. World, if that makes yep. sense. Um, well, and I think it's a 3DS upgrade, isn't it? Yeah, um, so I'm a hard so, out. I'm good. Yeah, I don't need it. Good. I'm not yearning for it because I have Monster Hunter World. I might pick it up at like 20 bucks, 15 bucks, something like that down the road. Yeah. Uh, number two, God of War. Uh, this, you know, sales show that if you have an exclusive that has really good reviews and is a really solid game, it's going to sell well. Also Why? doesn't hurt when you have 80 million units. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they choosing not to do an expansion with that? I have no idea. A story expansion, just... I get that you wanted to tell kind of a standalone thing, but uh, just do like a left-behind type of deal, man. I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe they had, they're had they ramping straight into a 2, you know? Maybe that's the case. Uh, because, like, when you look at Naughty Dog and a couple of the other studios, like, Horizon Zero Dawn 2 isn't going to be a quick turnaround. Like, out of their major studios... Right. I think God of War 2 could, not that it's not going to take a lot of work, could be the quickest turnaround because Horizon Zero 2 is like an open world. Uh, obviously, we don't even have Horizon Last of Us Zero Part 2. Yet. <laughs> uh, sorry, Horizon Zero Dawn 2, yeah. No, it's, it, it's just, it makes kind of like sense at the same time. It's, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, because it's Dawn, um, the Dawn of a new game. So. Yeah, uh, I think that... Uh, Ooh, that would be interesting if it was like Horizon Zero Sunset or something weird like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but anyways, um, but anyways, Horizon Zero Evening. Um, with God of War, it'll be interesting to see because, uh, you know, as of a couple, maybe three years ago, um, you know, Sony, Sony Santa Monica had two teams because there was obviously the God of War team and then there was the team that was working on the canceled sci-fi game. So... Um, I'm sure that they all uh, 
came together to finish off God of War, but it it'll be interesting to see if they end up, you know, splitting back up and have two games going at once, or just decide to to continue as one. Um, they are seemingly a pretty sizable studio, and they've also obviously have a lot of uh, AAA clout and talent going on there. So um, I'm kind of wondering what's going to be the deal there because. Um, it seems like Naughty Dog's kind of always changing that. Um, I know at some points they've had two distinct teams, um, like when there was one working on Uncharted 4 and one on Last of Us. Um, but the, it seems like they've kind of uh, come together to finish off certain games, especially when they were having trouble with Uncharted 4. Um, and they've had, you know, uh, like directors jumping around when it was uh, back when Bruce Traley was uh, still there working with Neil Druckmann so um, that type of nitty gritty first party stuff is obviously always interesting to me so I'm kind of wondering what's going to be uh, the situation with uh, Sony Santa Monica moving forward and once again you know every year uh, so far Ubisoft always has a game that releases in the spring and becomes one of the top-selling games. It's always in the top three. Uh, last year was Ghost Recon Wildlands. The year before that it was The Division. Uh, the year before that it was Rainbow Six Siege. This year it is Far Cry 5. Once again, just another another spring game that ends up at the top of the charts every year in terms of sales. Uh, and Far Cry 5 is no different. It's number one right Ooh, now. Ooh, boy, Jared, I've got a curveball for you. What is that? The next Ghost Recon game. Do you know what the subtitle is going to be? What is it going to be? Ghost Recon Splinter Cell. Split Ghost Recon Splinter Cell. Did you hear and the whole Did you hear the whole rumor yeah. that they actually had the same idea to do the whole hack thing? I don't believe this. I'm just telling you what what the rumor is. I don't believe it for a second uh, that they had the idea to do the whole hack thing and have Splinter Cell happen uh, at the end, but Microsoft did it with Cyberpunk and they're like, "Eh, um, because it's the first Ubisoft huh. conference in I think five years that didn't have like a surprise. It felt ending. weird. It felt yeah. weird that Eve uh, Gimo did not uh, announce something on stage with his little Saturday Night Live thing he had <laughs> he, he yeah. likes to do. Um, and if they just like pushed out because of the cyberpunk thing, that's fucking bullshit. Because you just take the hacking part out and just show the fucking trailer. You know, just exactly. like introduce the trailer regularly. I don't understand. Like, you cut the first five seconds off the trailer or whatever. Like, I know it's Also, not who cares? That simple, I wouldn't have judged it. Hard. I'd be like, they did the same yeah, thing. Yeah, like, that- oh, they, they obviously <laughs> took the, the you know, two hours. Wait, were they right after Microsoft? Uh, no. Um, Microsoft is on Sunday. They're on Monday morning. They're right after Square Enix. Yeah, so it's like, oh, they took the the evening to just copy Microsoft. Like nobody would have cared, you know. That's if that was the case. Come on, people. Guys. The only thing people cared about is seeing Splinter Cell again. They don't care how it's yeah. how it's introduced. Um, it's that's pretty weird much... that we didn't see that, man. Uh, that's a uh, it's it's a mind fuck. I'm I'm boggled. I don't I'm know hoping we have a big now. Paris Games Week, dude. I hope we see Rocksteady. Hope we see a couple other games. Uh, yeah, maybe but games you know that's over. really and maybe Sony's turned it into something. But that's really only been a Sony thing these last couple of years that they've been trying to make um, into a, a thing because of their, um, you know, they have such a strong following in Europe with PlayStation. So maybe that maybe they have turned it into a thing, and now the other companies want in. 
Um, but I was always confused as to why they weren't uh, doing that at Gamescom, which is a bigger Well, it conference. seems like they've pulled out. Xbox does Gamescom still. Yeah. So it seems like right. they shifted to do Paris Games Week as Sony's thing, and Gamescom is Microsoft's thing, it seems like. Also, uh, I know I'm looking at tangents here. I just wanted to say, uh, since I forgot to mention this on our like uh, post E3 post-show, Doing the whole wacky format of their E3 show uh, this year, when it's uh, the the very next big show that they had after PSX last year, where they had that abysmal <laughs> couch uh, couch session, like that was that was. Now you've had two. You're in a most two recent big shows have been um, really fucking rocky in a lot of people's opinions. So that was a terrible idea. Like. I can, and I've said I said it before. Like I can totally appreciate you guys wanting to shake things up and try something new and kind of be innovators, but that was not the fucking time to do it. You know, it's it, like if you are like in a friendship, if you like just fucked something up with somebody and they're really pissed at you, don't like you know try to go out of the box. Maybe now is the time to kind of like bring it back in and try to like fix things. You know what I mean? Well, it's people loving the pretentious stuff they did, and they're like, okay, you love pretentious, let's turn that dial to twelve. You know. Yeah, um, man, that's ugh. come on, yeah. Sony. Come on. <laughs> that's all. So, uh, in two weeks, we'll probably be talking with all three of us about like what makes a good conference for us. So, that way in the future, when you guys hear us talk about oh, who won E3, who lost E3, ranking the conferences, sure. you know where we stand in terms of criteria. But that was it yeah. for this week. Next week, we have our episode 100, our pre recorded episode. So, definitely, excuse me, uh, definitely tune into that. Uh, what else? We should have Dom back in a couple of weeks. All three of us are on episode 100, obviously. Uh, if you can, please follow us on Twitter at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. You can follow Jordan at Melamotis. You can follow me at Jared underscore. Uh, because the person with just Jared or Jared White, which is my last name, they haven't used Twitter in like four years, but I still can't get those accounts. So that's Jesus cool. Jesus Christ. Man. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not salty at all. Uh, Slide up in them DMs when they're looking. Yeah. When they're finally uh, looking. Anyways, uh, also subscribe to us on YouTube. That definitely helps us out as well. Follow us on iTunes. Do all of that good stuff. We'll catch you guys next week with episode 100 where we took a look back at doing this podcast. So, catch Are you guys. Are we doing uh, what we play, plan to play? Oh, uh, I guess we'll do, we can do it real quick. I completely forgot about that. Um, yeah. I, I guess you can go. I I know you. <laughs> yeah, I just want to give a huge fucking shout out to Mario Tennis Aces, man. That's going to unlock here in just a few hours. Uh, later on this evening, and my god, am I excited for that game. Obviously, uh, I have loved Nintendo all my life, uh, but specifically, man, I don't haven't fucked with sports games since I was probably like in middle school, 10 or 12 years old. And if you want me to play a fucking sports game, just make sure Mario's in it, and I'm fucking there. And I think the tennis games, probably besides Kart, I would say, are my favorite Mario sports games. Um, Although these soccer games are uh, very close. And even when I did like sports, I wasn't into watching tennis or uh, soccer. So that's uh, an interesting tidbit there. Um, but my goodness gracious, I am pumped for this game. So here we uh, go. Yeah, for me it's Hollow Knight. And the only new release uh, for me is The Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit, which is the free game being released by Don't Nod, which is kind of the bridge between Life... Uh, life Life is Strange and Life is Strange 2, it's free, right. so if you want to download it, download it. If you don't like it, hey, it was free. No biggie there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dig it. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys next week with episode 100. Bye.